Welcome to the Gifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Online Program, which teaches you how to turn your story into a successful speaking and online coaching business. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Desiree Cocroft. She is an empowerment speaker, certified coach, entrepreneur, and author. Desiree, welcome to our show today. Hi, thank you for having me. So I'm really excited. I'm not going to tell our viewers yet why I'm excited, but I'll just drop two words. Franklin Covey, just putting that out there, but we're going to dive that into that a little bit deeper. Before we go into Franklin Covey and your experience there, Desiree, let's just talk about some of your childhood memories. I love, love, love always sharing stories about how people started because you want to empower people, but we want to know how you started with your entrepreneurial journey. Do you have any stories as a, as a kid? Absolutely. Uh, one that I'm really fond of is my sister, Dia. She's a little older than me. Her and I, when I was around eight, would like go downstairs in the basement looking for cardboard boxes so that we can create a lemonade stand <laughs> on our corner. Uh, because, you know, our parents were working and we didn't want to have to ask them, you know, for money for some of the things that we wanted to do. And so we were like, hey, like, let's create something so we can make some change and go to the store and get some penny candy. And I mean, Sour Patch Kids, Swedish Fish. Don't get me hungry now, Desiree. <laughs> <laughs> All the things. <laughs> so, yeah. This is the kind of the sad truth, right? When you're kids, because I remember as you're sharing this story, I had those gumball machines and there was like these little cool rubber balls. And I just remember it's like, I think at the time it was 25 cents. I'm kind of dating myself, but it's kind of funny, Desiree, what motivates us as kids. Right. So, you have this experience with your sister. Now, when I go into my basement, I didn't have any cardboard boxes. So were you a very creative person or how did you, like, did you actually have boxes there? I mean, tell me about that. Yeah, always been a creative person. Like even outside of our lemonade stand, we used to create tents in the house with cardboard boxes. I always enjoy like finding ways to create things. Um, I always like to envision what was possible. And so sometimes I would see things and envision a tent or envision something that we saw off TV, which would have been like, like eliminates and I mean yeah and do you feel that's something that's innate in you or did you have a mother father that mentored you or you read certain books like because I'm always fascinated by the why of how people become successful so in your case you and your sister you had this this like partner in crime if you will and then over time you, you're very energetic and ambitious so did someone teach you that did you read a book or do you feel it's more of a natural ability for you to just yeah Christopher I'm just amazing <laughs> You know, I want to say it's the latter, but I think it was a lot of contributing factors. You know, I think that my parents really gave me the space to be creative and imaginative. Um, we, me and my sister, we used to be in a lot of different programs that allowed us to do, you know, fun things after school. Um, and I did a lot of creative things. You know, I, I might be dating myself. I was a child in the 80s and 90s where it wasn't a whole lot of things like, you know, video games and TV. We would go outside and do a lot of fun things. I would you know, climb trees and see how far I could jump out or uh, swing in the closet where I broke my wrist when I was four trying to be an acrobat. So uh, just being creative and seeing what's possible and pushing my limits have always been something that I've done. So there's two things you mentioned, Desiree. One is creating that space, like to see your parents giving that space for you to be successful and then pushing your limits. And as I mentioned and alluded to our listeners in the beginning, Franklin Covey. I've shared this story with you before, Desiree. I wrote my first book 20 years ago. And at the time I was working at American Express in New York, where I'm from, born and raised. I was always a corporate guy. I started working in a corporate setting at age 12 at my uncle's insurance company. 
And when I was on American Express, I frankly didn't like it. It was a great company, great people, but I am an entrepreneur. Mm. And at that time, 20 years ago, I'm writing a book on college success. I start reading a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm blown away because I get so bored easily in school. Never did. I did well, but I was always just, it was just boring. And when I read that book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, I'm like, whoa, it just changed my life. It gave me, again, that space and pushing myself to see beyond just reading is to take a test and then you forget it. Yeah. Now, I share this story because... I read the Seven Habits book by Stephen Covey, found out that his son, Sean Covey, wrote a book for teens, and I went to the back of the acknowledgments. I literally found the editor. Her name is Annie Oswald. Annie, I'm giving you a shout out. She works <laughs> at Franklin Covey, which is why I know about Franklin Covey. I co-called them, and she ultimately became my editor. Now, I say wow. that for our listeners that may not know, our, 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 our viewers that may not know, when Desiree just just drops, yeah, Franklin Covey. Just so you know, Franklin Covey is like the Harvard of the coaching world. So it's not just this, this company that people might have heard of or might not have heard of, but I'm telling you from experience, had I not read that book, had I not met Annie, Annie Oswell, who works at Franklin Covey, and now you work there as well, mm -hmm. I'm letting our listeners know how powerful, prominent, and purposeful that company is. And it's been going on for decades. Yeah. There's some sure. people that talk about some principles that might be a fad, but you're at this company that has literally been around for decades, one of the most inspired people in the world. And since I actually met the employees, I know the character and the substance that people work there. So let's talk about how you even found this Franklin Covey and where was that turning point for you to, to understand that, that world of Franklin Covey? Yeah, I, I was actually in my 20s and I was doing a lot of, you know, contract work uh, with nonprofits and one was a high school. And so they invited, you know, their contract workers, full-time employees to come do a seven habits training. So I actually never read the book first. It was the seven habits training and it blew my mind. It was so life-changing. And one of my favorite uh, of the seven habits is habit three, you know, put first things first. And just this thought about how I can control um, the things that were going on in my life and prioritize what makes the most sense. One of the highly effective practices of habit three is is really being true in the moment of choice. And I, at that point, just felt like I had so many things going on, I didn't know how to handle it. And so just realizing that I had control and that I can be true in the moment of choice to make the choices that make the most sense for my life and that that wasn't happening to me, uh, not playing the victim, right? Uh, that I can have control and be responsible for what is around me and in my life. It was really a, a, a game changer moment for me. And Franklin Covey from that point on, had always been like a part of you know the way I talked uh, I used to refer people to the book although I read the book after doing the training <laughs> no that's great and let's talk about first things first because so many people in life put everyone else first and not themselves so why do you think that it is that sometimes people don't really even fathom or have that self-awareness because going back to you having that space so Franklin Covey creates a space for you in your mind to think about you so how do you even um explain that why some people really don't put themselves first to put themselves last sometimes why do you think that is yeah you know uh, one thing that i've noticed is that i think that sometimes we put other things before ourselves so that we don't have to pay attention to ourselves uh, <laughs> it's much easier to solve somebody else's problem mm. than to really look inwardly and solve our own problems so i definitely think that's a thing and i think that because we love people and we want to have good relationships with people we say yes to a lot of things 
And so I think that, you know, that puts first things first, helps uh, people really think about what is most important to us and how can we put ourselves first or ourselves as like a big rock. Um, yeah, and so I just feel like that is a reason that a lot of people, you know, put other things first before themselves because they're just trying to, you know, keep their relationship strong or really ignoring the things that they should be doing for themselves. Yeah, you had a great point, Desiree, because you talked about how it's so much easier to point outside and look outside because we have to look in the mirror and say, oh, I got some issues to deal with, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And we all have issues to deal with, but that's why you have coaches like yourself to help them and to empower them. Yeah. Now, let's talk about you go from, okay, you have this awareness of Franklin Covey, but now you have your own business. You're an empowerment coach and a speaker. So you learn about that in your 20s. When did you decide to really start owning your own speaking and coaching career to not just help yourself, which clearly you've done well, why did you decide to help other people? Because you could have just like, it's all mine, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's always been something that's been a part of me. One of my first uh, jobs was I was 17 and I was a facilitator for, you know, young kids. And when I was doing that, I was teaching kids about self-esteem and self-awareness and decision-making. And that experience alone always followed me. And so it followed me into my 20s after having, you know, self-habits training and, um, you know, working with various organizations. So I started my own LLC around speaking and coaching in 2012 when I was still, you know, in um, you know, my late, I mean, my early thirties, I was doing that, uh, but I just didn't know what I was doing. I knew I wanted to help people. And it was really hard for me to figure out like, well, what do I offer and what do I do? So I continue to work and contract and, you know, do other work I love in nonprofit as well as starting one. Um, and what I do now in coaching and speaking really started taking off in 2018. Uh, when I started picking it up again, when I really decided like, okay, this is where I want to go with it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you, you picked it up a few years ago, but again, you've been doing this for almost 10 years now. Yeah. And let's talk about Franklin Covey because again, you can go to Harvard and learn <laughs> things and not everyone will go there. Just like Franklin Covey, very few people in the world have the ability to not just know about that. Like I know of an employee that worked there, but you actually are an employee and like all yeah. things, they hire top quality people. So though you have yeah. your own business, which we'll talk about in a, in a moment, but you also have this amazing structure as well as community. So tell us a little bit about Franklin Covey, just so that we and me, so we can learn more because because I am so fascinated by <laughs> Franklin Covey. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a wonderful organization. I love that it's such an inside out. So everything that uh, we do in corporations and schools and government, all the things, right? And coaching and, and consulting and all of that. Uh, we truly as an organization do it for ourselves. And I think that's the biggest like win or um, the biggest kind of like applause uh, that I give to where I work is that we are truly, you know, what we are out here teaching, what we are out here um, coaching people in, or we do it ourselves. Um, and so that's one of the biggest things that I feel like like uh, if the world would need to know anything, it is definitely an authentic um, organization. Uh, the other part is that I believe that we get so much really great training. <laughs> like they are always looking to pour into us. So we're not pouring from an empty cup. And so I appreciate that because it's the professional development is really out of this world. Um, and it is truly, you know, uh, professional development that really puts us, like you said, in this top tier, because it's almost amazing. It's always amazing to me, even when I first started working there, like, wow, we get so much great professional development and, you know, being able to uh, not just get it surface level, but really, you know, get some depth in the work that we do. 
And that's really key, Desiree, because again, you can go to a coach and they can talk to you about certain things, but the whole inside out approach is so important. So many of our challenges and obstacles and limiting beliefs come from the inside. Yeah. And in your case, you have this very unique blend of you're going to stretch yourself. It's, it's in you where you're always pushing yourself, but you also have this understanding and clarity that it sounds like you've learned not just from Frank Covey, but from your own experience, both personal and professional. So yeah. with yourself and your, your books and, and your speaking, let's talk about the book. So tell me the book that you wrote and, and, and share with us about that book. Yeah, so this was actually my first time writing a book. So I'm a first time author this year. Uh, it's called Get Your Life Today. And it's around seven success hacks for your life, your leadership and your business. And so the book really, you know, talks about these seven success hacks and how you can use them to improve your daily life. If you are a leader, how you can improve your leadership skills. And then obviously, if you're a business uh, entrepreneur or someone running a business, how you can up the ante with your team and your business. And let's talk about that more deeply. So let's say someone's listening to this, they want to be a leader, or maybe they are a leader, but they, they want to up their game. What are mm -hmm. some specific lessons you share with them to be a better leader? Yeah, one of my favorite is to define your success. <laughs> and so defining your success, not just uh, with a one liner, like, hey, I want to achieve this this year. But I like to say to define your success with um, not just this random definition, but also putting some qualitative and quantitative factors behind it. Uh, because sometimes we can put this definition of success out there for ourselves that's just a number. But it's how do you want to feel when you're in this position of success? How do you want it to happen? Do you want it to happen in peace? Um, or do you want it to happen in this hustle, right? How do you want that to happen? And so I really like helping, you know, leaders not just attain this uh, numerical value of success, but also like, how do you want to feel? How do you want your life to be like, even when you attain this? Like what other things do you want to be, uh, you know, successful as a result of you also pursuing this? And so I think that that's one of the things that I enjoy the most, because I think we like that sometimes we're all about the numbers and we want to go after this, this and this. But it's like, how do you want that to feel? What do you want to also be successful in your life qualitatively? And that's really important. Let's talk about this quantitative and qualitatively, right? So a number of years ago, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years after leaving my corporate jet American Express. And so money has been great. It's nice to travel the world and be a speaker. But I had this epiphany three years ago now where I was flying to Barcelona and I haven't been to Barcelona in over 10 years. So from LA to Barcelona, it's a good 10 hours. Wow. And by that point, I was traveling half of the year. I was all around the world. And I ultimately landed in Barcelona on a Monday or Tuesday. I get off the plane at six o'clock and I get approached a lot in the US because I speak all around the, the US. But this woman approaches me at six in the morning in Barcelona. Again, I haven't been there in 10 years. <laughs> and she's like, Christopher, Kai. I'm like, hi. And it's one of my clients in this online program that I have where I help and coach professionals how to turn wow. their story into a speaking or online coaching career. Now I say this because the quantitative part, I've had that for quite some time, meaning you know, making money to a certain degree. But the qualitative part was, I was in Barcelona, mm -hmm. essentially on vacation. I was going in route to Lithuania where I got more clients and spoke. And for that whole week, I was enjoying my life, eating my, 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 uh, my jamón con queso, which is like mm. uh, ham and, and cheese and, and a sandwich in Barcelona. Barcelona is a very vibrant city. So again, beyond the quantitative, I want to really stress this to our viewers were, yes, you should make money. Yes, you should hire Desiree to help you make money. But <laughs> Beyond the money thing, you don't really need that much money to be happy because right. flying to Barcelona might cost a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, but it's the experience of the quality. So I want to really stress that point, Desiree, that you focus on the quantity, yes, 
yeah. the quality of flying wherever you want, mm-hmm. being with whoever you want, and most importantly, helping people because it goes back to what you're saying, the whole inside out. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this book, what inspired you to even write that book? Because you've already been coaching, you've already been speaking. What compelled you to, and motivated and inspired you to write your own book? You know, I wanted the message of just really defining success for our lives and really getting our lives today, really because I've run into so many people and had this own ex- this experience for myself of wanting to do something, wanting to see something come to fruition and not really feeling confident enough to do it or not really knowing how to do it. So I wanted to be able to scribe it <laughs> so that it could be something that is accessible to many people. And I've had it in me for about 16 years. And this year was the year, you know, we had to be closed in for me to actually sit down and make it happen, put it all on paper. But that's great, Desiree, because again, I'm telling you, the clients that hire you will be so much so grateful because it's one thing they'll talk to you, learn from you in person, but when they have your book in their hands, whether virtual or physical, there's something intimate about when you're reading someone's words. You literally, they can see into your mind and more importantly, feel your thoughts and your, mm. your spirit. And so just so you know, it's a, it's a great accomplishment to write your book, to codify what you learned, and ultimately your clients will just learn so much more by having this multi-sensory experience of reading a book talking to you, thinking about that and reflecting because you're essentially really giving them that space because, you know, as you're talking, you're providing all this great value about stretching your limits, having that credibility with Franklin Covey, creating this space, but you'll find that as your clients start reading your works, you may not realize you're essentially giving them this menu of choices of success, skills, and tools. They might gravitate toward one thing and you gravitate to something else, but writing a book they get to choose what they sink their teeth into. So again, whether it's Sour Patch Candy when you're a young eight-year-old <laughs> or as you get older, now they have the ability to really sink their teeth into your skill sets and your principles. That's, that's phenomenal. And thank you f- to the world, frankly, for you writing that book. Thank you. Now, let's talk about this empowerment speaker world you're in. I have been so blessed to be speaking all around the world. And people always ask me, Christopher, aren't you scared? Aren't you afraid? And I always say, look, Fear is a feeling just as excitement is. And if you know you can inspire people mm-hmm. and impact people beyond the money thing, it's just so inspiring. So for you, I love the word empowerment because it's one thing to be motivated, but when you empower people, you are literally giving power to other people. So talk to us about that one very specific world. Yes, you're a speaker, but why did you choose empowerment speaker? Yeah, you know, I think it's important that uh, we realize that we're already wired to be afraid. Like you said, fear is a feeling, right? Uh, And so the more that people realize that it's a feeling that we just get to uh, acknowledge (laughs) and still do something in our lives about it, um, that's what's most important to me. I feel like all of us, because we all deal with that, it's important that sometimes we bring it to the surface because once we have kind of allowed that muscle of fear to continue to be used to stifle us, we almost need someone to help us realize that it's something that we can actually push forward on. And so I feel like the times that I've worked with, you know, either entrepreneurs or women or professionals or what have you in the, in the opportunities I've had to speak, a lot of the uh, work or accolades that they've had or commentary that they've had afterward was really just 
realizing how much they were holding themselves back around something that they really can make a decision about, they really can take action on, and really just helping people get out of that cycle of self-doubt, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that circle that we stay in, that hamster wheel of self-doubt, uh, and really making the decision so that we can see the things that we see in our heads actually come to fruition in our lives. Yeah, and I got to imagine, I haven't seen you speak in person yet, but I know that you have this great presence in you, and it really is. You have this genuineness about you, but you're relatable. Sometimes when I see speakers, there's like their, their, their nose is a little bit higher than it should be, <laughs> and their ego is a little bit higher than that, and yet they're trying to supposedly help people, but I don't really feel relatable. But in your case, yeah. you're super relatable, you have the experience, you have this heart, and it's really inspiring. Now, some of these speeches you give, what are some of the topics you, you talk about? Yeah, so uh, one of the most popular ones, especially in this year, has been entrepreneur uh, mindset. Um, and so that we talk a, a couple about a couple of things from the success hacks that I have in my book um, and really just helping people think about the two things that I really think keep entrepreneurs from being successful. And it's usually the math and our mindset. So I talk about math and mindset uh, as two things that when we don't really hone in on those the way we should, it can really make us fail. Uh, so I talk math? about that. Yeah, math, math and mindset. Okay. <laughs> we don't know the numbers and our mind is afraid of whatever numbers we're thinking about. <laughs> what do you mean? Like they, they, you know, they can be a millionaire, but they're afraid of those numbers you mean? Exactly, or? exactly. Yeah, afraid of what's possible. The numbers are, or they don't count the cost. So they're either afraid of this vision of being successful, just not wanting to accept abundance and success. And so they're afraid of the numbers like, oh, that couldn't be me, right? Uh, the other part is like counting the cost. Like how much do you really need to do? What's the effort that needs to happen numerically, right? Um, in order to see that number, you know, come to fruition in whatever amount of time. Um, and so I just feel like, you know, if we marry the two, this mindset, the mindset is really what's in the way of our money. So I'm like, don't let your mind get in the way of your money. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great advice, Desiree. So let's first, let me just finish up on this math part, because again, I wrote a book about networking with billionaires and executives. So I've literally nice. easily met 50 to 100 billionaires around the world. Yeah. And when I find that when I meet billionaires or celebrities like Paris Hilton or Leonardo DiCaprio, they're all still people. So mm -hmm. going back to this whole math thing, some of the people, like let's say, Leonardo DiCaprio, he literally had a prostitution ring, drug dealers, and he was robbed when he was five years old in Los Angeles. Mm. His mom and dad split up and he got rejected over and over again. It took him two years to find an agent. And then when he was about 16 years old, he started with Robert De Niro out of 400, um, 400 actors that tried to get it and he got it. And then a few years later, he was in Titanic. But what I'm saying mm. is for the listeners, the math is all there. We're all human beings. So that's, that's important to recognize. And I wanted to really just highlight and stress that point that you're absolutely true about the math part and just being logical because it's not just, yes, you're going to pursue your dreams. So that's great. Now the mindset part, let's talk about that because so many people don't necessarily have a growth mindset. They don't really believe that it's possible. So what are some suggestions you help your clients with relative to that mindset so they can be more successful like you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest uh, illustrations or activities I actually have people do is I talk about the lie, the truth, and the proof. <laughs> and so I, I talk about the lie as in terms of limiting beliefs, right? And so, you know, we tell ourselves these lies all day long <laughs> about the things that are not possible. And we try to make them true, but I try to help my clients realize that they're really just lies. And so if we recognize that they're lies, then we have to tell ourselves the truth. And so I'm like, well, that's the lie. What is true? 
And so I give them the opportunity to, you know, write that down, ponder that, right? And so I'm like, well, if that's true, how do you know it's true, right? And I, I ask them to think about something that they've done in their personal lives to help them know that's why this is true. Or if they can't find some kind of example in their personal life, I'm like, think about someone that you know and so, or someone you don't know and you've seen them uh, have the ability to do what you think is the truth um, and use that as your proof until you can see it happen in your own life. That's great. It's so simple and concise. Mm -hmm. Lie, truth, or proof. Any yep. specific examples of a client that had a certain lie? Like what, what's an example of a lie that we tell ourselves? Like a, cli a client that told you, oh, you know, Desiree, yeah, I totally got one. <laughs> so uh, this person uh, was really working uh, really hard to create her own um, her own clothing line. Um, and she was actually working on undergarments, um, just this whole undergarment line. She's going to be like the next Victoria's Secret. <laughs> and so anyway, she was working on that. And she actually had so many people that were ready to buy from her. And she was doing this all handcrafted. She hadn't gotten a big manufacturing company behind her yet, but had already sought out one that could use her. And so, you know, when we were talking, you know, her biggest thing was, oh, you know, I don't know if I can really handle all the people. And I'm like, well, that's a lie. <laughs> you can, you know, so if we own that as a lie, you know, what would be the truth? And the truth is, I've actually already set myself up to handle the, the customers that are going to come, which is true. She's made the calls. She already knew her system, but the only reason she wasn't moving forward with putting herself out there um, in the marketing streets and all of that is because she didn't know she could handle all of the people that were going to take her, but she could. And so the proof was I made the calls and they already told, you know, it's like we, we talk ourselves out of things. <laughs> so that's one really great example. And as a result, she did did, uh, actually launch herself. And so I'm really proud of her for doing that. That's great. And so let's talk about those lies that we tell ourselves. So mm -hmm. one thing is not everyone wants to hear that blunt feedback. They often say they do, Yeah. but when you say that, then sometimes it can get defensive. So how do you maneuver or navigate that? Because sometimes we're all these five-year-old kids that have these dreams. And as soon as they, yeah, that's a lie. They're like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, they might not, they might feel attacked. So you do a very great job of, of creating this sense of, again, space, but vulnerability and relatability. So how do you approach that? Do you just flat out just say, no, that's a lie. I mean, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I usually ask a lot of powerful questions. Uh, and obviously, you know, some of the people that I've worked with, I've worked with numerous times. So they're not, so the first time I'm talking to someone, I'm usually not, you know, coming at them that way. We've definitely built a lot of rapport for me to have the courage and the permission to say that. I definitely ask for permission before I ask anything or say anything um, that is no, I know is coming from a place of wanting them to see what they don't see. Uh, and so one of the things that I, I do is not only just build rapport, but asking for permission and having, you know, a real really real conversation that involves questioning so that they can actually answer it for themselves. And so, you know, one of the things when it comes to people, you know, in their limiting beliefs, <laughs> most of the questions I would ask is like, well, what if that wasn't true? What would that mean if that wasn't true? Yeah. And so that would be a way of them being able to figure it out in their own mind. <laughs> um, and then we can go along with the illustration. And I usually give them the rest for homework, but we usually work out one of them because of asking them the questions of, you know, what if that wasn't true? What if we could consider that a lie? What would that mean? No. That is so profound, Desiree, because when it's all said and done, sometimes people ask me, do you need a coach? And I say, do you need 
Do athletes need coaches to get to the Olympics? Of course they say, of course they do. Well, again, all of us, I wish they had a coach like you, Desiree, because mm-hmm. one of the most profound things that, that you have, you have many profound things, but again, you have the foundation of Frank and Covey. You have your own experience of working with nonprofits and students so that your heart is there because sometimes people mm-hmm. just focus on the money. But lastly, it's really that inside-out approach, that questioning, mm-hmm. probing, and asking questions on the inside because ultimately the results and happiness or lack there of happiness is an insight. So it's it's great that your clients can really learn from you by probing deeper in a very open and vulnerable setting where you're really creating this space. Yeah. So we're almost done with our show. I'm curious, yes, you've talked about the quantitative, wow, this woman created her business, that's great. But coaching so much is really about inspiring, moving, and literally transforming a person's life. So any specific clients that you've worked with that not only does she or he do well financially, but you changed the course of their life and potentially even saved their life. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, one, it actually took me by surprise. I didn't even realize how much I impacted her until a couple of months ago on my birthday. I got a, a social media shout out. <laughs> Thank you. I got a social media shout out that I totally didn't expect. And I had people actually texting me like, did you see what such and such said? I'm like, no. <laughs> so, um, you know, there was, you know, a young woman that I worked with for a couple months uh, last year. And she was, you know, just going through a lot in her personal life. Um, and because she was going through a lot in her personal life, you know, she sought out a coach and she is entrepreneurial, has this awesome, you know, nonprofit, but also wanted to work with a, a for-profit business that she was starting. And she had just, um, you know, stopped working and was looking for work at the time. And so we worked through that. Um, and over the next couple of months, really just taking time to, you know, work with her, not just with her business and her her, her full-time work, but just working with her personally. Um, and so after that work, you know, she had some great results um, in her personal life was working, was doing work in her entrepreneurial business and her nonprofit, um, definitely flourishing uh, with all that she was doing. And I was so proud of her and just didn't expect the shout out, but she gave me one. And I feel like that's what it's really all about, changing people's lives and seeing people be their highest self and their greatest self and not to be the one to say, oh, it was all because of me, but I am honored to even be a contributing factor to that. That's a great story. There's a way to end our show today. And again, sometimes we all have those moments of, of, of depth of sorrow and loss of jobs or of people, frankly, but for you to be there, it's so inspiring to know that you literally changed her life across how many years and she also shouted it out. So that's the beauty of coaching. Yes, we get paid, but really we're getting paid in so much more by accolades and appreciation where you don't even ask for what you got, which makes it even more surprised. So Desiree, thank you so much for being on our show today. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gifters Podcast. If you want to learn how to turn your story into a successful speaking and online coaching business, go to ChristopherKai.com to learn more.